Um, can I have the microphone? Don't worry, I'm not coming to do an, another eye. I don't do an eye without projecting Acts 17, 11. So that's the, that's the scripture for the eye. Anytime you see that on the board, no, you know that I'm coming to fire questions. Hallelujah. I just have one question this morning. Does God always answer prayers? I want views. Pastors. Does God always answer prayers? When you finish, you pass it on to him. Does God always answer prayers? No, it's a simple yes or no. This one is 50-50. Okay, by, by the use of the word always, my answer is no. No. All right. Okay. So... My answer is yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Does God always answer prayers? No. No. Does God always answer prayers? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. All right. Mike, does God always answer prayers? No. No. Mina, does God always answer prayers? You are not sure. But say something. Say something. Yes or no? If I put a gun to your head and I say you must say something, which of them will you pick? No. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yes, God always answers prayers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay, let me come to the middle. Does God always answer prayers? No. 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 All right. Does God always answer prayers? No. No. All right. Let me go to this side. Nasara, does God always answer prayers? Yes. Yes. Alex? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. No. Okay. So all of you who say yes, let me see you by hand. Let me see by hand. Those of you who say yes, God always answers prayers. Let me stand here so that I can see. Those who say yes. Hey, hello too. Okay. All right. Those who say no. This one, there's nothing like non-aligned movement. You must belong to some place. There's no parliament where I say abstention. Leave their abstinence for other things. <laughs> yes, those who say no, God doesn't always answer prayer. It looks like the yes people uh, carried the vote. All right. So is it yes or no? <laughs> well, me, my answer to that is that it is yes. <laughs> God always answers prayers. All right. So, those who say yes. Pastor, why do you say yes? Please tell us why you say yes. Maybe you, every prayer you have asked, you've, you've said has been answered. Or, yes, yes. Yes, it's been answered. Okay, so that's the reason why you say God. No. no. <laughs> All right. So, why, why, why do you say yes? Um, the word says that when, when we pray, the confidence we have is that he hears us. And because he hears us, he answers us. I believe that God gives us an answer always to every prayer. It may not be the answer you are looking for, mm-hmm. but no prayer goes unanswered. That's what I believe. All right. Okay. So he has preached my sermon. <laughs> so yes, God, sorry, you can have it back. So God always answers prayers. And there are three angles from which he will answer our prayers. Hallelujah. There are three angles from which you answer our prayers. He will either say yes to what you've asked for, or he will say no to what you've asked for, or he will say wait 
So there are, there are always three facets. And, and that is what I'm going to talk about today. The three facets of answered prayer. The yes, the no, and the wait. So whatever it is, at the end of the day, you will get an answer. It may just not be what you expect and how you expect it to be. So God will either say yes, no, or he'll say wait. But whatever the case, God is going to answer your prayers. Hallelujah. How many of you have been angry with God for not answering your prayer? Like you've been angry with God before. Don't get all sanctimonious and spiritual on me. Me, I've gotten angry with God before. And so those whose hands are down, you, you, dear, you just, I said, you trust God to that level. Charlie, you are very spiritual. <laughs> I believe most of us have, have gotten angry with God at one point in, in time or the other. Simply because we asked him for something and we didn't get that which we asked for. Um, the aim of today's sermon is to teach you the dynamics of answered prayer so that you will not be too quick to get angry with God. Hallelujah. If you understand the dynamics of answered prayer, today is as if you were a doll. What did you eat this morning? Should I declare another fast? <laughs> if you understand the dynamics of answered prayer, you would realize that we must spare God some flack. When he doesn't answer our prayers. And my prayer is that by the end of this sermon, you understand the dynamics of answered prayer. Hallelujah. So, as I said, there are three answers God can give you. He can say no to your prayer request. He can say yes to your prayer request. And he can say wait to your prayer request. So, when does God say no? When is it that God will say no? You've prayed, you, you've prayed, you've believed. By the end of the day, God just says no. This thing you're asking for, I'm not going to give you. Under what circumstances will God say no? The first, the first, and write this down. It is when your prayer is not according to his will. When your prayer is not according to his will, he will not answer it. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John 5, 14. When your prayer is not according to his will, he will not answer it. Or he will not say yes. He will say no. First John chapter 5 verse 14. He said, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When, the one you quoted, did you add the according to his will? Uh-huh. Most of the time, we conveniently leave that one out. <laughs> but that is a key part of that scripture which holds everything together. Hallelujah. If we ask him according to his will, he will hear us and he will answer us. Amen. So, you have to, as I was saying on Wednesday, every believer must build himself to the point where your will is in alignment with the will of God. What you want is an alignment with what God wants for you. It says when you have come to that point that you have 100% answered prayer. If your will is at loggerheads with what God wants for you, you will not have him say yes to what you are looking for. Hallelujah. And it comes with spiritual maturity. It comes with growth. It comes with searching the scriptures. It comes with, with, with knowing God at a certain level. 
That is why you mustn't remain a baby all the time. When you listen to a baby believer praying and the kind of things a baby believer is asking God for, you realize that this one is a baby. And in fact, a lot of Christians right now pray baby Christian prayers. Hallelujah. A lot of believers pray baby Christian prayers. It's all about, I'm looking for a visa. I'm looking for a husband. I'm not saying these are bad things to ask for. They are, they are okay. But there are higher things to ask for. Hallelujah. I always use this analogy that if I gave my son the option of a toy car with all kinds of gadgets, you can, you know, all sorts of, you know, high-tech things. If I give him the option between that and my car that I drive, because of his level, he won't even think of my car. He will go straight for the toy one. And that is what a lot of us believers are doing. We are children and we are babies. And so all the things that we are asking God for are infantile things. But I pray that we will graduate and move into higher realms. Hallelujah. When God came to Solomon with a blank check, he said, whatever you want, you tell me, I'll do it for you. Somebody would have said, give me a large palace with the walls made of gold. People would have talked about tangible things, but this man was deep enough to know that if I ask for wisdom, wisdom can give me all of these things. That is a higher level. I pray that you move to a higher level when it comes to your asking. When you see Moses praying, he's not praying for baby things. He said, God, show me your glory. Higher level things. He wants to see the glory. God said, you, you've asked, okay, you, I'll just show you my back part. You, you just, I'll just pass. And I'll just show you my back part. That's all. There are higher things you must ask for. So you must build yourself to the point where what you want is in accordance with the will of God. In fact, I think a lot of believers should go on a retreat just to thank God for certain prayers he didn't answer in their past. There are some of the prayers you prayed in your past. If God had answered them, you'd have been in trouble today. You have to go on your knees and thank God. Thank you, God, that you didn't answer this prayer. That girl that I was eyeing and crying over, thank you, God, that you delivered me from the hands of Jezebel. <laughs> I have to go back and thank God. If it is not according to his will, you can pray with all the spiritual gymnastics you know. He won't answer it I told you on Wednesday that even Jesus Christ you Jesus we have made a plan from the beginning of time they said the what the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth he has been slain in the spirit now come and manifest the thing in the in the physical because of his human nature when the thing was coming in the garden of Gethsemane he was trying to pray to change the thing that father if possible let this cup pass over me he prayed agonizing prayers. He sweated blood. He was passionate. Every, every ingredient that you needed for, for, for answered prayer. The Bible says what? The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man. This was higher level fervency. In fact, it was more than fervent. He wasn't just sweating sweat. He was sweating blood. By the end of the day, God didn't take the cup out. But you see, he got to a point where he himself realized that no, this is I'm trying to change the plan. So he was like, okay, not according to my will, but yours, oh God. I pray that when you are praying amiss, you will come to the point where you realize that God, you do as you please in my life. Hallelujah. 
God didn't answer it because it was not according to his will. And can you imagine what would have happened to you and I if God had answered that prayer? Yes, said, Jesus, you have prayed agonizing prayers. You have prayed fervently. So, you, no cross. Where would you be? Where would I be? So, it's not every prayer that God will answer. It is not every prayer that he must answer. But we need to come to the point where we trust him to the point that we understand that he knows what he's doing and everything he's doing is for our good. The Bible says all things work together. All things means all things. All things means the good, the bad, the ugly. Everything will work together for our good. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so the Bible says something in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. It talks about going before the Lord hastily. Sometimes we ask God for things in a haste. It's like we don't think about what we are going to ask God for. Out of an abundance of emotions, out of an abundance of, maybe there's a situation. You see, Jesus asked God to take the cup away from him because he was emotional at that point. His human nature, the, the, the soul was beginning to, you know, fret. He said, be not rash with thy mouth and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Sometimes out of the, the rush of a situation, we place a petition before God. God is a king. When you're going before a king, you weigh your words well. Hallelujah. You think about what you are going to ask. You think about what you are going to say. Don't let emotions rush you into placing a petition before God. Because when you do that, you allow your emotions to lead you. You allow your, your heart to lead you. The likelihood of praying amiss and asking God for something that is outside his will is very high. Amen. And a lot of us find ourselves in that kind of situation. Sometimes somebody has hurt you. So out of the head, you open your mouth, God, let his children suffer. <laughs> we shouldn't be hasty to ask God for things. Where what you want to ask God for? Sometimes if we do this, there are certain prayers we will know we don't have to pray them even before we pray them. When you sit down and weigh properly, you know that no, listen, I'm not supposed to pray this kind of prayer. I know somebody, uh, 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 somebody left his ministry and he decided that he and his people, they are going to pray over the person's head. Going to pray. Just because he was hurt that the person, he felt the person had betrayed him. So they are going to gather and pray prayers. And actually the prayers were meant to kill the person. You see the kind of ministry we are doing now? Vain glory. Somebody has left us. You are going to pray and kill the person. Hey! As I said the other time, you, you have not shed your blood for anybody. Even common blood donation. You haven't done before. One pint of blood. When you see the needle, <laughs> you are free. They are behaving as if you have emptied yourself for somebody. Prayers like this, God will not answer. If the person dies, then it wasn't God who answered it. You went and petitioned some other funny power somewhere. Because the Bible says, even a curse that is without a basis, it will not happen. If you curse somebody and there's no basis for it. That is somebody can say, somebody has cursed basis, I say, hey. Is there a basis for it? Have you offended the person? Don't worry about it. Just cancel it in the name of Jesus. Simple. Don't, don't, don't even fast. Just make a declaration. Stand in authority of the word and make a declaration. 
that a curse that is without basis is not going to happen. And make that declaration and move on. It's as simple as that. Another reason, so the first reason why God will say no is when our prayer is not according to his will. So somebody will ask, how do I know when I'm praying, how do I know that this prayer is not according to the will of God? There are certain signs. You see, some of these things, there are no straightforward answers to them. It may differ from person to person. But I'm going to tell you what happens to me. When I'm praying and the prayer, God is encouraging me to pray, I realize that the prayer flows. It's easy to pray. You see, the Bible says in Romans 8.26 that we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit of God maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit is God. He knows everything that God knows. So if the Holy Spirit knows that this prayer you are praying is not according to the will of God. He is not going to come and help you to pray with groanings that cannot be uttered. If you are groaning, then it's your own groaning that you are groaning. Hallelujah. You realize that the prayer doesn't flow. There's no urge to pray. But when you are praying and you know that this thing, I am actually doing something. I'm actually accomplishing something in the spirit. You realize that it's easier to pray. There is an urge to pray. There is this passion that comes with the prayer. If it is not according to the will of God, you will not sense that part. It's as if you are praying and it's hitting a block. I don't know how many of you have, have experienced that before. Me, I've experienced that before. You are praying, it's like you are not making any, any headway. But when you are praying and the prayer is moving, you can sense that there is an external force that is actually helping you to pray through. In this particular case, you know that it's the Holy Spirit that is helping you to pray. And when I come to the three dimensions of answered prayer of the years, you understand why this happens sometimes. You just realize there's a, there's a blockade. It's, it's, you are praying the thing. It's not, it's not pray. Sometimes when you're even praying that understanding the English, it's as if you don't know how to speak English because the words don't come. Even if you switch into praying the spirit, you realize that the thing doesn't flow. There is no passion. There's no move. There is no drive in your spirit. It may be an indication that the prayer you are praying is not according to the will of God. And because it's the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray, he has pulled himself away that this one there, it is your own thing you are doing. No, I am not inside it. I am not going to help you to pray this one. So you realize it's, it's not the same. It may be a sign that God is trying to tell you that this thing you are praying is not according to my will. Just move on. Sometimes too, when you have prayed and God has answered already, you realize the drive to pray just lifts. There's a certain peace that comes upon you and you know that this thing has been answered already. Me, when I feel that thing, I don't, I don't bother myself to be ringing into God's ears plenty, plenty. Because I know it's been answered. But this one I'm talking about is not peace. So it is a blockage that you feel. It's like the prayer is just not flowing. It may be an indication that you are not praying according to the will of God. So one reason why God will say no is when you are not praying according to the will of God. Two, when your prayer is for the wrong reason. James 4.3 talks about praying amiss talks about praying amiss when your prayer is for the wrong reason why is it that you want God to prosper you God prosper me so that my enemies will be shy my enemies will be ashamed you go see me shy <laughs> that is a bad prayer to pray hallelujah it is praying amiss Is if you are praying for something so that you can boast with it, you are praying amiss, and God is not going to answer you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
if the reason for which you are praying is wrong, it is selfish. It, it, it is self-centered. It is, it is rooted in the flesh. God is going to say no to that prayer. Third reason why God will say no to your prayer is when you walk in disobedience. See, a lot of people don't realize this. You see, when you listen to certain kinds of grace messages, it will make you believe that there is no consequence for sin in the life of a believer. But that is a big lie. Sin can block your prayers. Sin can prevent God from hearing you. Somebody said in the Bible that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you regard iniquity, wickedness, sin, uncleanliness in your heart, God will not hear you. When you walk in disobedience, and when I'm talking about sin, I'm not necessarily talking about fornication and adultery because I know that is what you are thinking about. Yes, there are sins, all right. But two weeks ago, I spent a lot of time to talk about pride. Pride is a sin. When you are not obeying simple instructions in the word of God, when you are angry, you come to a place of prayer in, angry, in anger. You're angry with somebody. Meanwhile, God has said, let not the sun set upon your anger. As I said, it means you have only 12 hours within which to be angry. When the sun sets like that from six to six, pa, anger must go away. Somebody said, oh, but what about being upset? So the anger can go, but you can still be upset about the matter. <laughs> I said, oh, when you go to heaven, go and ask God. <laughs> So you have disobeyed the word of God. You have the anger in your heart. You've come, you lifted up your heart. You are praying. You have not forgiven somebody. And that is why when Jesus was teaching us to pray, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That means if you expect to be forgiven, you must also learn to forgive others. Hallelujah. Disobedience. First Peter 3, 7. It gives us a clear a clear statement of something that can hinder your prayers. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let's have that quickly. First Peter 3, 7. It said, likewise, ye husbands, husbands and future husbands in the, in the house. This one is for you. Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as be heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. What he's trying to say is that if you don't treat your wife with respect, you treat your wife anyhow, you talk to your wife anyhow, it is a sure recipe for your prayers to be hindered. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's a sure recipe. Your prayers will be hindered. God will not hear your prayers. You will not hear your prayers. You insult your wife anyhow. You say derogatory things. If you compliment her, you don't say things that will break her spirit down. There are a lot of women in marriages, their spirit is broken. Because everything that comes out of the mouth of the husband is negative. And look at how you have become like a wardrobe. Shapeless. <laughs> things that will break a woman's spirit. If you are disrespecting your wife, the Bible has stated clearly here, your prayers will not be hindered. Your prayers will not be heard. Your prayers will be hindered. 
So you go and disrespect your wife and you go to the park and hey, shabba, 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 and just, la, 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 look at what you are doing. You are just making noise. You better go and find somewhere and sleep. You are just wasting your time. So if you walk in disobedience of this word, your prayers will be hindered. You will pray and pray and pray. And I believe the opposite is also true. Hallelujah. If you're a wife and you don't respect your husband, you too, your prayers will be hindered. Mutual respect is necessary. Hallelujah. Yeah. Your husband says one, you say 20. Because you have the gift of oratory. You can speak. Your prayers will not be hindered. You will not be, you will not be heard. And when it comes to prayer and prayer meetings, and women attend more than men. You say all kinds of things to your husband and you leave the house. You go to pray. You are just, it's like your prayer just hits the ceiling and falls to the ground. Like that. Useless. You're wasting your time. So when you walk in disobedience, when you're walking in a known unconfessing, a known unconfessing, you can hinder your prayers. That's why in certain places, for prayer meetings, the first prayer that is prayed is for forgiveness of sin. Oh God, you look at my heart. Just forgive me. For it to open the way. Some people say, when you become born again, God can never get angry with you again. Because Jesus has paid for your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. Are you? <laughs> There's no need for confession of sins. I always use Ananias and Sapphira. They were born again. I believe they were filled with the Spirit. They were not fake believers. They were children of God under grace. Those days, if somebody showed the face that they were Christian, it means they were real Christians. Not now that you can have Amalekites nicely fitting in. Those days, when you declare yourself as a Christian, it was a death sentence. Because as we are sitting down, the soldiers can just come and round you up, feed you to lions and you are dead. If you really don't believe in Christ, you won't put yourself in that danger. Me, if I don't believe in Christ, I know that if I go, I can die. Why should I waste my time? Why should I waste my time? But God was upset with them for what they did. So sin has a way of entangling us and blocking our prayers. I pray that God will give us the grace to walk upright. Hallelujah. So these are three reasons. There are more, but I'll just give you three. Because I need to go to the other ones. Why God may not answer our prayers. I'm giving you reasons not to get angry with God when he doesn't say yes to your prayers because you could also be a part of the reason why he's not saying, he's not answering you. So the second thing is that he may say wait. Everybody say wait. When God says wait, it means he's trying to tell you it is not yet time. You are dealing with somebody who is referred to as the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He has seen the end before the beginning already. So he knows how everything is supposed to flow chronologically. So when he says wait. And, and, and the funny thing is that most of the time, we don't take the wait as a wait. We take the wait as a no. Because everything we want everything. She, 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 quick, 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 quick. Fast, 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 fast things. Fast food, fast cars. Everything is fast. In this generation. So we don't see the wait as wait. We see it as a no. Oh, God has denied me. God has not heard my prayer. But all he's saying is wait. And most of the time, if God says wait, and you go ahead of him, you will see the consequences. Because he wants to show you that I know better than you. 
want to rise, say, okay, 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 go, go, go. Whenever we behave like we know more than God, as for God, is a gentleman. He won't waste time to argue with you. He'll say, eh, you want to advise me? Okay, go and ask Moses. God said, these people, they are too stubborn. They are stiff-necked. Let me kill them. Moses decided to advise God. He said, God, listen, you come, come, come. Let's talk. It looks as if you have a lot of things on your mind, so there are certain things you don't consider. Look, if you kill these people, the Egyptians, they will say, you only brought them here. It's not like wise advice. You only brought them here to come and kill them in the wilderness. What is the use of all these plagues? Frogs. This, that, 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 just to come and kill them here. No, God, don't do that. God said, hey, Moses, you want to advise me? Okay, I hear. I'll not kill them. I'll let them live. But these same people, they vexed Moses to the point where God said, speak to the rock, let water come. Moses was so frustrated by their same stiff nakedness and stubbornness that God wanted to kill them for. That he struck the rock, not once, but twice. And the Bible tells us later in the New Testament that that rock was actually Christ. So Moses lashed Jesus Christ. Two heavy lashes. The rock was Christ. He thought he was striking a rock out of anger, out of frustration. But he was beating Jesus. The man, he was already coming to receive lashes. Those two he gave, it wasn't part of by his stripes we are healed. It didn't form part of the the lashes that that caused our healing. He struck the rock twice. And God said, because you have disobeyed me, you yourself, the promised land. Don't you think Moses would have loved to to get into the promised land? I mean, look at what he had gone through. Look at what he gave up. The man was a prince of Egypt. Possible heir to the Pharaoh's throne. To be the most powerful man on earth. He sacrificed that to be with his people and for God to call him as a deliverer. He sacrificed a lot. He would have loved to at least set foot there and say, okay, now I can die in peace. But God said, and you see, God, it can be hard, though. He said, you look, look, look. That, that is it, though. That's the land, though. You will see. <laughs> but your feet will not get there. Oh, because what? You thought you were wiser than me and you were trying to advise me. I pray that you would not consider yourself as wiser than God. When God says wait, you must wait. You must wait. Sometimes we are too impatient. We are too impatient. People give God deadlines. God, if I don't get a husband by this time, I'll look for a man and have a baby. I know Christians who have made that kind of age before. I know someone who went to medical school with her. She said if by she gave a certain age, she'll look for a man and have a baby. She just didn't look for a man to have a baby. She actually got married to some, some Christian, very good Christian, somebody who was in joyful way incorporated, very good Christian. She got married to some Amalekite Luciferian guy. Two years down the line, the marriage has broken up. She's divorced. Because she wasn't prepared to wait. There are some people, they must marry in their 30s. Some will marry in their 20s. Some will marry in their 30s. There are some people who even marry in their 40s. I know a patient. She got married in her late 40s and at the age of 52, she had twins. What are you talking about? God has his times and seasons prepared for everybody. Abraham was trying to help God. God has said, you, I'll make you father of many nations. He said, ah, 
But you, Charlie, I am getting weak. Oh, look at all this gray hair. The thing is not going to... said, God, you know what? You let me help you. Let me help you to let the prophecy come to pass. So with, the, with Sarah and Hagar and everything, he went and had Ishmael. And today, you see, when you have greatness upon your life and you do things out of ten, you are not the only one who will suffer the consequences. Generations after you, because of the greatness on Abraham and the kind of anointing he carried, we are all suffering from the consequence of that mistake he made. Anytime you hear Al-Qaeda, anytime you hear Jama Islamia, anytime you hear ISIS, remember Papa Abi, he was impatient. He was impatient. I'm sure he sat down and was like, ah, this is this, 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 this barrenness. My wife is barren. Meanwhile, when he went to lie to Abimelech, that Sarah was his sister, the king, Abimelech wanted to take Abraham, to take Sarah. And he lied that Sarah was his sister. The Bible said God got angry with Abimelech and he struck his whole house with barrenness. So people in Abimelech's house were barren. And the Bible says it was Abraham who went and prayed for them and their wombs opened. First miracle crusade recorded in the Bible. Abraham went to Abimelech's house and prayed and barren wombs were open. So the anointing to open barren wombs, there was there. But once it wasn't God's time, anything he did didn't work. He was getting frustrated. So he decided, yeah, Hagar, you bring the Hagar factor into the matter. And we are all suffering for it now. I pray that God will give you patience. When he says wait, understand that is, you have to wait. Last week I was telling you the fact that Elizabeth was considered to be barren. But it wasn't barrenness. It was just divine timing. Because she had to get pregnant around the same time that Mary got pregnant. Because what she was carrying had an assignment related to what Mary was going to carry. If she had had, because Elizabeth was an old woman, relatively old woman. If she had had John the Baptist in her youth, probably John the Baptist, the way he was fired with his preaching, he probably would have been beheaded before Jesus Christ came. And God's timing and purposes would have been messed up. So there is a reason. The reason why the guy is not coming is that God is preparing him, taking him through a certain process. He's preparing him, taking him through the fire. And knocking him small, small. <laughs> into a proper shape that will fit you perfectly. So you have to be patient. The reason why the ladies are bouncing you is that there are some, some things you need to deal with. Character traits. You need to deal with. So God will say, wait. And you see, in the waiting, we are impatient because we want to determine the when and we also want to determine the how. Want to determine how. You ask for something in a particular direction. And in your mind, you have made up your mind how God must answer it. Really. But there are a lot of times when God will answer the thing through a route that you didn't expect. That is why when you ask for God for something, you must open up your spirit and open up your eyes and your ears. Because it could come in a form that is different from the way you wanted. During the fasting and prayer, I gave the example of the man at the beautiful gate, the one who had been lame 
and was lying at the beautiful gate for many years. He saw Peter and John. He said, give me arms. He was expecting them to put their hands in their pocket and to take out money and bring it out to him. But God had another solution to his problem. He wanted to give him a permanent solution. Hallelujah. And I was telling you that when he, I believe he stretched out his arm to collect the money. But when they said, silver and gold have I none. If it was somebody, he would have just dropped his hand. What I'm looking for, I'm not getting. But I believe he kept his hand up there. That's what the Bible said. They took him by the right hand. So instead of putting your hands into your pocket and putting something into his hand, they held his hand and impacted the fire of the Holy Ghost into him, which caused all those nerves that had damaged to be brought back together for him to rise up and walk. Sometimes when God says no, you still have to keep your hands in the air. Or when he says wait, you should still keep your hands in the air. Some people, we take the, the wait as a no. When they said, silver and gold have I none, it was a wait. But he could have interpreted it as a no and dropped his hand. But he still kept the hand there and they took that same right hand, imparted the power of the Holy Ghost and his problem was solved forever. I pray that you have the patience to wait. Have the patience to wait. So now let's move to when God says yes. That is the third dimension. But then, in the yes, there are three dimensions in which God answers prayer. And listen to me carefully because you need to understand this. There are three dimensions in which God says yes. The first dimension is when God decides to answer the prayer in the realm of human will. The realm of human will. The second dimension is when he decides to answer it in the angelic realm. That means he uses angels to bring you answers. And the third realm is when God himself steps into the matter. He bypasses man, bypasses angels, and he himself steps into the matter. Those are the three dimensions. How God says yes. Now let's look at the first one. The realm of the will of man. That means God has said yes, but he will put it in the hands of a human being. And sometimes things can go wrong at that level. The promotion you are looking for, God has said yes, but it's up to somebody to give you that promotion and to write that letter to you. And what we must understand, as I've always told you, is that the will, God created man and gave him a will. And the will of man is the strongest thing God gave man. It's stronger than even your faith. Because God cannot touch your will. Why is it that God created man and gave him a will? God gave man a will because, one, the Bible says God created man for his pleasure. When we love him, he gets pleasure out of it. He's happy. He doesn't want you to love him and your loving him is not out of your own free will. That's why I don't understand those who go for juju to let somebody like them. So they'll go and take the person's picture and they'll go and tie, tie some things on it and the person, anything they say, oh yes, this is, and the person laughs. And you're, how can you enjoy that kind of laugh? When you know that it is not out of the person's free will. And that is the kind of thing God didn't want. That's why he gave man a free will. Your own free will. And this free will is so strong that God himself cannot touch it. That is why God can whisper into your ears. Don't sin, don't sin. And you ignore it and you still go and sin. With that will, you can reject even God himself. 
So when God decides to answer a prayer in the will, in the realm of the will of man, it can be tricky. Because it depends on somebody being obedient to what God is telling him for the thing to come to pass. You may be the answer to somebody's prayer. How many times have you passed by people who are asking you for money on the road? Do you know the kind of prayers they are prayed? And God is probably sending you as the answer. He said, oh, give me one CD, one CD. You look at the person, look at the person. You decide, no, you cry. Your face is not fine. You look like a crook. You run away. You go. The answer to that person's prayer was within the realm of the will of man. I'm showing you all these things so that you will not be too angry with God. That there are a lot of dynamics involved in answered prayer. That boy that you said no to, do you know how long he had been praying? You know the fastings he had done and the seeds he had sown. But the answer to his prayer was in your hands. It was within the, the realm of the will of man. And you decided on your, by your own free will. You see, God tries to help us to move according to his will. But the final say is always with us. He'll try and let you see the reason why it should go this way. But at the end of the day, you have the final choice because he can't touch your will. But I pray that if there's anything that must be released to you that is in anybody's hand, may the Lord cause the person to release that thing unto you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Anybody whose will is so hardened. Look at uh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh hardened his heart. You see, when the Bible says, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, what it actually means is that God permitted Pharaoh's heart to be hardened. It's the same way when the Bible says, and an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. It's all a matter of God permitting the things to happen. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened even though God had answered the prayers of the people of Israel. When God appeared to Moses, he said what? My people have cried out unto me and I have come down to deliver them. That means he had answered it. He had decided that the people should be delivered. But there was a Pharaoh somewhere who was just standing in between the people and the realization of the prayer. I pray that if there is any Pharaoh that is withholding your freedom, that is withholding the answer to your prayer. May the Lord make that person release it in the name of Jesus. Within the realm of the will of man. And within this realm, you yourself, you the one who, are, you, who has said the prayer, you have a role to play. Your will also has a role to play. Because you see, sometimes when you pray to God, what he does is to give you doors. He'll give you doors. And you use your will to decide what to do with the door. And there are four different kinds of doors that God can open, that God can give to you. One of them, I'm trying to draw a, a parallel between um, the physical and the spiritual. One of them, you see, there are doors that you need to use physical strength to open. Like the door we have here. You need to open it yourself. You need to touch it, push it and open it. And sometimes those are the kind of doors God gives you. You have to put in an effort. But if you decide to sit, oh, God will do everything. He's answered your prayer. He has given you the door. But you will not see the realization of the prayer and you blame God. You want God to bless you financially. Meanwhile, you don't want to work. He says he will bless the work of your hand. Where is the work of your hand? 
So what is he going to bless? Most of the time, when it comes to financial blessing, think God works by the principle of multiplication. Anything you multiply by zero remains zero. If you have nothing, I can multiply by one billion. It will still be zero. So there is a role you must play. God may have decided that, yes, I'm going to give you this thing. But there's an effort you have to make. You want a school. There are advertisements in the newspapers. It's up to you to go and look for a form and, 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 and fill. Don't expect an angel to come and take a form and fill. And you are there and they'll just post. Hey, you have passed. You have been admitted. Hey, those things can happen, but trust me, they are very rare. You want to pass your exam and you spend all your time watching Kung Kung Bagya and all kinds of things. You don't study. You must have something so that when God blesses it, it multiplies. So within that realm of the will of man, you also have a role to play. So there are doors that need physical force to open. And then you also have doors that are opened by keys and codes. Keys and codes. And sometimes you need a key. You need a code. When you get the code, it's simple. The door just opens like that. The third kind of door is a door that has a sensor. So you need to walk towards it for it to open. Those ones that are the banks. Those ones, you don't stand behind and shout, I go, I go, I go. You will shout, I go, it will never open. As you walk towards them, they sense your presence and they open. So you have been praying about that thing for a very, very, very long time. It's up to you to gather courage and walk towards it. Walk towards it. And as you are walking towards it, you know that you are walking towards it and you are clothed in the glory of God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says, I am hidden with Christ in God. So you are inside. So, so those gates, when they see you, it is, it is God they see. That's why they must open. That's what the Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory shall come in. It is the king of glory that the gate sees and senses. So you move in. You have prayed and you are looking for a job. Have the boldness to walk to that CEO. Go and sit in front of him. Say, I want an audience with you. Even the fact that you have the boldness to come and sit in front of him will impress him. You say, Charlie, this guy, I think I can use you in my organization. So those are the kind of doors. And then the fourth kind of door is a timing door or a seasonal door. There are some doors, they open seasonally. And when you miss it, you've missed it forever. Either you've missed it forever or you've missed it for a season and the whole cycle will have to come back before it opens again. The people of Israel had the chance to take the promised land in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. After they had gone to spy the land, Caleb told them, we are able to take the land, let's go now. Then people started describing giants and things. And they delayed. And it took them several years again before that door opened. I pray that when a seasonal door opens to you, you have the grace to recognize it. There are certain instructions God will give you. If you don't obey them immediately, there are certain prophetic words God will give you. If you don't obey immediately, you lose the chance forever. It's gone. If later you realize that, hey, this thing is actually God, you will try and try and try. You will never get the results the same way. Seasonal doors. So that is the first realm. 
where God says yes, when he puts it in the realm of the will of man. The second is the angelic realm. Say angelic realm. The angelic realm is where God takes the answer and puts it in the hand of an angel and says, angel, take the answer to my child. An example is in Daniel chapter 10. There's no time for us to read. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was praying for certain answers. He had realized that the time for the captivity of the people of Israel had passed. He had read the scrolls written by Jeremiah and he needed understanding and skill. So the Bible said he went on a fast, a 21-day fast. If you read Daniel chapter 10, when you go back later, go and read. When the angel came to Daniel, he told him that from the first day you started your prayer, God answered it. And God released him to bring the answer. But what happened? Let's go to Daniel chapter 10. Maybe let's, let's, let's read it. Okay. Let, let's go back a bit. Uh, maybe let's start from verse 1. It said, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the king was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Next. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, so 21 days. Next. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Next. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hidekel. Next. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of offers. Next. His body also was like the burial, and his face was as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Next. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the man that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Next. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Next. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Next. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Next. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Next. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, everybody say first day, that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Hallelujah. So from the very first day he started praying, God answered it. And God gave the angel the answer. But what happened? Next. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, and this prince we are talking about is not a human prince. It's not the son of a king. We are talking about a principality, a fallen angel, an evil spirit. The prince of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. The whole twenty-one days that he was fasting. 
there was war in the heavenlies. The answer had been delivered to the angel, but he had been intercepted. Okay? So for 21 days, there was war in the heavenlies, and the answer was delaying. Kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, that's another angel, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Next. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. Next. And when he has spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. Next. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and speak, and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. You see, so this is a situation where from day one, the answer was released. But there was a contention in the heavenlies for the answer to reach where it was supposed to reach. Now, let us understand. There are three heavens, okay? Anytime the word heaven is used in the Bible, most of the time, they say heavens. So there are three. Paul talked about the third heavens. There's no time for me to go through all these, these scriptures. He talked about the third heavens, that he saw a man in the third heavens. Now, by logic, if there's a third heavens, then there must be a first heaven and a second heaven. So what is the first heaven? The first heaven is the atmospheric heaven, the one that we see. And the third heaven is where God's throne is. And anywhere in between these two is what we refer to as the second heaven. And it is important to note that there is a lot of demonic activity that takes place in the second heavens. That is where Satan exerts a lot of his influence. He strategically positions himself between the third heavens and the earth so he can interrupt and sort of block the things that are supposed to come from heaven unto us. Do you understand me? And this is a typical case where that happened. God had released the answer. What I'm trying to tell you is that there are times when God has answered the prayer, but there is war and there's some contention in the heavenlies, and it will take your prayer to cause the angels to break through. If Daniel had stopped the fast on day 12 or day 13, that angel wouldn't have broken through because the contention was for an entire 21 days. If he had just said that, Charlie, I'm growing too lean. This fast, I'm becoming some way. My face is looking some way. Let me stop. As maybe some of you stopped on day 13 of our fast that we had. If he had decided to stop, that answer wouldn't have come. All I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes you need to pray through until you see the thing happen. Because there's something that is blocking the answer somewhere. And after we are done, we are going to pray some specific prayers. Anything that is withholding an answer that God has released already, we are praying and contending with anything that is withholding it in the second heavens. Because I believe there are a lot of our prayers God has answered already, but something is happening. And you see, the angels rely on our prayers to strengthen them. When the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, there are things that we can use, weapons we can use, that will help to win the battle in the heavenlies. And one of those tools is the blood of Jesus. 
the application of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has been used to defeat these principalities and powers already. And it is a tool that we have been given. And it is something we can project into the second heavens to cause a release of the things that we want to be released. Hallelujah. So Satan blocks, he, he contends with the answers. God has released it already. That is why you need to pray through. You need to break through. That's what the Bible says, pray without season. You continue to pray. And you see, when you are praying such prayers, you realize that there is this energy with which you pray. You continue to feel the burden and continue to feel the burden. It's like somebody in the labor world. As you get closer to the time of delivery, the, the, the contractions become even more. You continue to pray. There is this energy to pray. There's this urge to pray. Until you get to a point where you feel like you have broken through, that is when you stop. Because that is when your spirit man has sensed that the war in the heavenlies that is contending with the answer has been won. So Satan has positioned himself and his principalities strategically. The reason why Satan will try to block answers to prayers is that one of his greatest aims is to always make God look like a liar. He will always want to make God look like a liar. God told you this, this, this. For him to cast doubts about the word of God. He started it in Eden with Eve. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really? It's always been his plan. So we need to pray through. It was Daniel's prayers that caused the angel to break through. If Satan fought a message to Daniel about the liberation of Israel, I believe he also fought the messages that were given to angels concerning the birth of Christ. I'm just using logic here. If you fight a message concerning the liberation of Israel, why do you think he will not fight a message that is related to the liberation of the entire? And you know angels were also involved. Angel Gabriel, he brought the message about Jesus, but even John the Baptist's uh, birth annunciation and all of those things. It was angels that even though the Bible doesn't mention, it's not everything that the Bible mentions, but I believe there was contention in the heavens. Why? I believe it's because of the contention against the birth of Christ and, and instructions concerning the things related to the birth of Christ that God had to strategically position two veteran intercessors. I'm talking about that old man called Simeon and that old woman called Anna. God had told Simon that you will not see death until the Son of God has been revealed, until the Son of God has been born. They were intercessors, veteran intercessors, snipers, dangerous men in the spirit that God has strategically positioned to pray through for the Son of God to break through and come here onto the earth. So when Jesus was born and Simeon saw him, he said, now thy servant can depart in peace. He had done his assignment. Anna, a widow, has spent years on her knees agonizing because there is always a contention. I pray that God will give you the heart of an intercessor. You must be the Simeon for your family. You must be the Anna for your family. You must go down on your knees and contend until that which God has released is bad for everybody to see. Somebody needs you as a Simeon. Somebody needs you as his Anna. Somebody in your family who doesn't know God is on drugs. His life is wayward. It is your prayers that will pray and break through. And trust me, just as Simeon saw the fruits of his intercession, you will also see the fruit of your prayer. Your prayers will not go waste as you pray and as you are faithful in the place of prayer. 
God will show you the result of the prayer. The last dimension is when God himself steps in. Hallelujah. This time he bypasses man, he bypasses angels, and he decides that me, myself, I am coming to deal with the situation. I pray that with your situation, God will decide that he himself will come and stand in. Because as for when it's in the realm of man and it's in the realm of angels, there is room for contention. But when God decides to handle the situation himself, who can stop him? Will principalities stop him? Will powers stop him? Will demons stop him? Will witches stop him? Can human beings stop him? When God decides that this matter, I am taking it personal, there is nothing that can stop him. Most of the time, God is sitting. But there are times when God decides that I am standing up. The Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. It's time for you to pray for God to arise. Jo J David prayed that prayer many times. Oh God, arise. When the enemies were pursuing him, when he was in danger, when he was locked in a place, when he was in a hard place, he would cry, God, arise. Somebody had a certain situation. He prayed. He said, look, I believe God likes strange prayers. He said, God, as for this, my situation, don't send your son. You yourself come down because it's not child's play. This matter is not child's play, so don't send your son. You yourself come down. So there are times when God himself comes down. When it came to liberating Israel from Egypt, the templates, three of them, there was no rod involved. Three of them, it was the rod of Moses. Three of them, it was the rod of Aaron. So God was doing the thing through people. One time, he didn't use anything at all. He used Moses' rod. He used Aaron's rod. So he was trying to answer the thing through human beings. But he still faced the opposition of Pharaoh. But when he came to the last one, he said, I myself, I'm going to come down. And I'm going to slay the firstborn of the children of Israel. So as for the slaying of the firstborn of the children of Israel, God himself came down and accomplished it. And that was the end of the matter. And I see God himself descending into your matter. And that will be the end of it. It has been in the hands of men. It has been in the hands of angels. The conclusion is not coming when we are not seeing the conclusion. But let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. You see, I can see God rising and the enemies, the devils are saying, hey, the old man is up, oh, Charlie, let's find some place to hide. God man will say, no more Find somewhere to hide. There's a time where God himself says, I am taking this matter into my own hands. I'll not put it in anybody's hands. He's going to arise and your cause will be pleaded and you will see results in the name of Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet. We want to pray a certain prayer for two minutes. I want to pray a certain prayer for two minutes.